Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests with tasty facts, foodie secrets and more. In this episode, we begin our new personal food travel stories series with a visit to North India, where we discover not just new foods, but unique ways that they are cooked. We also discuss our first Indian street food experience in Kolkata. Plus, we eat our favorite ever buttery Indian flatbread in the city of Amritsar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, I hope you're hungry because we're going to be talking about some really tasty food today. Yeah, and it might involve some butter. Quite a bit of butter. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, It's probably one of the dirtiest cuisines on the planet, but dang, I love it. Yeah, so this episode is actually the first of our personal food travel stories series because our main focus through the rest of the Dish podcast is talking about world-famous dishes or traditional foods from specific destinations that have a story behind them. But in putting those other episodes together, we realized that there were plenty of dishes from our extensive range of traveling all around the world that we, they don't really have a big backstory to them. So how no. do we put an episode together? Yet they're things that we loved eating. Exactly. And it's things that we want you guys to have the opportunity to try as well if you happen to be visiting these destinations. So we wanted to do this series just telling you about some of the things that we absolutely love that might not have the in-depth histories that, you know, the, the main episodes that we do have. No, but they do have our personal travel stories associated with them. The crazy way we discovered some of these dishes that are not really as world famous as the other ones we talk about. So these episodes are going to be all about those crazy experiences rather than loaded with history. And for those of you who don't follow our blog already, foodfuntravel.com, you may not realize that between the two of us, between me and Megzi, we have actually been to over 93 countries as of today. Woohoo! So we're still currently planning to up that total. Yes. We've got a few countries in our sights right now. Yeah, so 93 for now, but that is not stopping immediately. We have got more countries to visit. So we've tried lots of incredible foods. And importantly, it's not just always exactly the dish or the food, although that centers around part of the reason why we want to talk about it. But it's also the food experience. All of these different experiences to do with culinary and food like yeah. the love of food in these different countries is exactly what we want to talk about. The smells, the atmospheres, the way that we ended up in these situations that we found this particular food. You know, sometimes you just end up completely lost. But at the end of the, you know, some weird street, you find this food thing and you're like, I would have never found this if I'd not got completely lost. Yeah, we call it food worth traveling for. Not only is it stuff that is so good, we would go there again and we would actually make the effort to travel, but it's stuff that we believe is really the food that you should get on a plane and go and try. Yeah. So it's not just about those star dishes that everyone's heard of, but just about discovering something new that makes up our culinary travel experience and why we love doing this so much. And speaking of food worth traveling for... Our Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group is where you can enjoy some fun chats about some of the best food from all around the world that's shared by our listeners to this show, as well as lots of other food travel bloggers who are in the group. And 
Every week, we actually have our Foodie Friday posts that go out. You can yeah. share your favorite thing that you've eaten this week. Yep. There's a lot of things in there that'll make you drool. But also, it's a good spot to jump in there. If you have any questions about a particular destination that you happen to be going to, just hop into the group and ask everybody. And there's some really established travelers in there that can probably give you a few great tips, including ourselves. Yes. And so, also subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to The Dish on your favorite channel, and tell your foodie friends to listen to the show as well, because that's what's going to help us grow it. And that's what's going to help us keep it running and create more awesome content. And of course, we hope we're just going to get better and better at doing this. You know, yep. this we're is just getting started, baby. This is just season two. We've still got so much more to go. We've got so many big dishes we haven't talked about. But in today's episode, some of our favorite food experiences from North India. Now, I'm going to be talking about the Jaiwain Butter Parata from Amritsar, uh, which is one of the most buttery, wonderful breads ever. And Megzi, what are you talking about? I'm going to be talking about uh, this interesting time we discovered street curry. They were making tandoori and curry and different things just on the street corner, uh, but with a little bit of a twist. Oh, so you're going you're gonna to keep us into suspense. Yes. I'm not going to tell you how they were cooking at all just yet. You're going to have to stay and listen. All right. Yeah, I, re- I think I know what you're talking about. And yes, this is definitely worth sticking it out to the end of the episode because quite interesting. First time you go to India to discover some of these things, it's... It's a world apart from what you're used to in terms of street food. Yep, and the ingenuity of just people as well. They just get things done so that they can make a living. Yeah, if you've been to Southeast Asia or anywhere else that's a big street food culture, think again. India is just another different level of street food. It's pretty crazy. All right, so in our first food story for today's show, I'm, I'm headed to Amritsar. Mm. which is in North India. Amritsar is a city of over 1 million people in the northwest of India and lies just 28 kilometers away from the Pakistan border. It's the spiritual and cultural home of the Sikh religion and their most important temple, the Golden Temple. It's the, the holiest place. It's a place that they travel to on a regular basis if they can in terms of a pilgrimage. Yeah. And it attracts more daily visitors than the Taj Mahal. Yeah, it's a beautiful temple too, like definitely worth visiting. And the way that you'll recognize the Sikhs is by their beautifully colored turbans that they wear. They, they definitely stand out. Yes. And, it's and their co- knife, because they always have to have a knife. They have a dagger in their pocket or yeah. a sheath on the side of their belt. At all times. You don't see that, but you definitely notice the turbans. It's a requirement that they have these daggers. But yeah, we were very surprised that this temple is actually more popular than the Taj Mahal. And the reason for that may be something to do with the fact that they give away free food all day, every day. Yes. uh, Which is always a winner for getting people through the door, especially when it's Indian food. Um, Either way, whether that's the main reason or not, the complex itself, especially the actual golden temple, which sits right in the middle of the complex on this sort of blue-green pool on a little causeway. It's like this whole separate little temple you can go and visit right in the middle. Mm. That was originally constructed in the 1570s. And actually, the name of the temple is Amritsar, which means Pool of Nectar of Immortality. Is that why they bathe in there? I guess so, yeah. Everyone likes to jump in the pool or they, yeah. Yeah, they submerge a little bit. Well, especially the men. Women go in with their clothes on, of course, because yeah. India people quite uh, respectful of that. They're not going to be getting into bikinis. No. They are fully dressed when they're <laughs> Very going in. Very modest. And you have to wear something on your head. So even going in, uh, as I was just mentioning about the turbans that the men wear, if you're going in as a tourist, they will have scarves and stuff. But it's probably best to bring your own because God knows how many people have worn those scarves. You have to wear a scarf on your head. Like covering of your head is very important. 
yeah, you've got to respect the traditions of the Sikh community there, of course, to be allowed to enter. And then you can go and get a free meal. But also you can experience the really interesting history and culture of just walking around the temple. It was really great. We really loved visiting that temple. Yeah. A lot of energy in that place. So the city, obviously, is also called Amritsar, and that was built outwards from the temple. So the temple was completed in 1604, apparently. So it started in the 1570s. And then the city was built outward from there, which is quite crazy. Or at least that's what the internet tells me. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know 100% if that's what was really going on, but apparently so. The other most fascinating part, as I mentioned, is the fact that you get free food. Their free kitchen is called Langar. The whole thing is run by volunteers and food donations, and they feed about 100,000 people per day, yeah. 24-7. And it's not tourists either. Like you, We were probably the only tourists in there, but you the do- only Western tourists. Western tourists. Yeah. yeah Indian tourists. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's people- of the faith and, you know, those it's it's the way that people in the city can always have a food, like always have a meal. So at least one meal a day, you can definitely go and have at least one meal and you'll be catered for. Yeah. Yeah. And we literally lined up with thousands of people. We were herded into this massive high ceiling room. They actually have multiple rooms so that they can literally keep the food coming out constantly. It's a well-oiled machine. Yeah. One room gets filled up whilst the other room empties out. And then like the next line of people goes into that room as we're finishing our meal. And it's just continuous feeding. Lines and lines and lines of people all sitting on the floor. And then they'll bring along the trays. uh, If you know, like your tali tray. So it's a, it's a metal tray and it's going to have different sections for the different foods that they're going to bring out. Yeah. It's like divisioned metal tray. Almost like you'd sort of think about a prison tray. I know that's not a good way to describe it, but that if you've never seen a tally tray, that's sort of what it's like. The whole event's a bit like a school assembly. You just head in and everyone's sitting on their floor cross-legged. Yep. So, well, I don't know. At my school, we sat on the floor. Maybe in America, people sit on chairs. I've seen that on TV as well. So no, assembly, knows? they made us sit on the floor. Yeah, it depends what sort of school you went to. Obviously, we weren't quite fancy enough to have chairs. No. It just proves what sort of education we got. <laughs> no. Well, you know, I can speak English and stuff. I guess that's good enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then the food comes out, guys and ladies, with these massive steel buckets walk up and down the lines of people, and they're just slopping curry into the metal trays. And, yeah, a bit of rice. veg curry, a bit of lentil, a bit of rice, yep. some chapatis, which is an unleavened flat Indian bread. Mm. Very simple. Very basic food. Obviously, it's all vegetarian, but you know, everyone gets a meal. No one's starving in that no. city. And I thought it was perfectly good food. It was really nice. Of course, uh, you do need to sit down there and be prepared to dig in with your hands because there's no cutlery provided. The chapati is pretty much your cutlery. Yeah, that's how it works. And that's all right with me. Yep. Use it as a scoop spoon. So the free food, though, is not your best food in Amritsar. Let's say that. It's very interesting food experience yep. to go and sit in there and be part of this uh, amazing, I, I don't know, what would you call it? It's like a, you know, it's a shared human experience of yeah. having this many people being fed on a daily basis in one hall. Yeah. So that is quite amazing. You definitely have to do it. But the best food was something completely different, something that absolutely blew our minds and we were not expecting to find this in Amritsar at all. Mm-mm. And it was at a little local restaurant, which... In the Punjab area, which is where Amritsar is in the northwest, is the state of Punjab. And the restaurant style is called the Daba. Yeah, which is sort of like a, it's like a, a truck stop pretty much is, is, 
is what it means in Indian. Yeah, effectively, these started as truck stops or, you know, at least roadhouses. Yeah. Because they actually started so long ago, well over 100 years ago. There wasn't a lot of trucks driving around over 100 years ago. No, but it's like it's a stop point, a place where you can stop and refresh and get a feed and then continue on your journey. Except today, there's lots of them right in the middle of town rather than just being on some highway out of town in between towns. Well, as that town kept growing out from the, yeah, from the yeah. <laughs> temple, <laughs> they're like, ah, oh, we're not on the road anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, we're in the middle of town. Well, what are you going to do? But they do, they specifically cater authentic yet very affordable Punjabi cuisine. So that's their main thing. You can actually find them all over India now, but it's always Punjabi cuisine that's being served. Yeah. So it's their specific thing. Now, the specific restaurant that we went to that absolutely wowed us was Kesar de Daba. And it's very well known in Amritsar. It is actually one of the most well-known Dabas in Amritsar. And we didn't even really realize that when we went there. So we didn't choose it because it was like on TripAdvisor or something. We literally just had a look around and went, this place looks fantastic. Now, they opened- Well, because you could see the open kitchen. Yeah. We walked by and we could see the kitchen open. I don't, it's not an open kitchen as such. It's just really freaking hot. And so, they had the doors open to the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's an open kitchen in that respect. It's like windows and doors open. It's the windows and doors of the kitchen. Like, you're not actually in the restaurant looking at this. This is just outside. And then next yeah, yeah. door to the kitchen is the, uh, the dining rooms. They've actually got two dining rooms split across the actual road. So I guess that gets your attention. They're on both sides of the road. But yeah, the smells coming out of the kitchen and the <sighs> amount of activity going on and the fact that it was clearly very busy all the time. The first time we walked past, we just went, yeah, this is on the list. We are coming back here. Yep. This is clearly one of the most popular spots. But yeah, they opened in 1916 and still today, it's one of the most popular in Amritsar. And Amritsar is a pretty big city. I'm not sure on the exact population, but I mean, it's a big, big city. Yeah. So these guys are doing really, really well. So it's down a little winding side street, maybe a kilometer or so, like half a mile away from the Golden Temple. And there's lots of other sort of street vendors along these streets. Uh, you know, there's just people selling homewares. It's easier. There's vegetables. stuff everywhere. Yeah, there's always something going on on the streets. But um, yeah, this place really caught our attention. So the only time that you're really going to find it quiet there is when everyone is actually at temple and so is busy doing their religious activities rather than eating. So what we decided to do was we went to the Dabba about 20 minutes before the temple was going to empty. So <laughs> yes. we could definitely get a seat and we could put our order in and get served before everyone started turning up. The times actually vary based on the season. So you can actually check Google and it'll tell you what the prayer times are. I had a look. They do have it listed on there. I'll tell you the exact prayer times every day. And I think it's based around sunset and sunrise and those sorts of things. Handy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the Dapper experience was really, really cool. It's a simple place. It says economical food, but it's super authentic. Yeah. And it's been there for over 100 years. So, let's actually talk about the food. Now, the number one dish, and I mean, I loved everything they, they did, but when we talk about food worth traveling for, it's things that years on, and it, is, it actually has been sort of over four years since we were there. Yeah. Years on, we're still talking about that particular one thing we had. Yeah, the things that stick in your mind of like, if I could eat that right now, oh my God, I'd be in heaven. I would go back to Amritsar just, just to that. eat this. Yeah. That's food worth traveling for. That is exactly what we're talking about. So the specific dish is the Jewan paratha, and it's a tandoori paratha, which means it's cooked in a tandoori oven. It's a circular oven with all the heat coming from the bottom, and they 
They can stick naan breads on the side. It's the same way they cook naan breads. And they can also stick parada on the side or they can cook things on the lid of the oven because the lid of the oven gets really hot as well. But a parata is a circular, unleavened flatbread that relies on lots of rolling and lots of stretching and then folding on top of itself multiple times with lots of butterji every time you fold it because then you have all these layers which are all so oily that they're going to separate. So as soon as it starts cooking, the air and the steam inside pushes the layers apart. So it's sort of like... It's not really like puff pastry, but it's sort of that same concept. It, it gets separates. layered like that. So if you want to imagine like the layers of pastry, I don't know if I'm just some weirdo, but I love taking pastry and just pulling it apart layer by layer and eating layer by layer. Uh, this is exactly you know, like if you want to think of the layers of pastry, it's like the same thing with the parada. It's layer and layer of like flaky, crunchy dough. And it's yes. oh, and then, of course, you add in the butter G. OMG. Yes. Butter G. OMG. Butter G, if you've never cooked with that or you don't know much about it, it is Indian clarified butter, which means they've actually cooked it to get rid of certain elements within the butter and they've turned it into, uh, it looks more like a cooking oil. It actually looks clear, yeah. yellow and clear, which means they can cook at higher temperatures than before it's been clarified. It's Indian crack. <laughs> it's- the reason why you love yeah. Indian food so much is Butter G, even if you don't currently know it, I'm telling you, it's, it's Indian crack. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty fantastic. So, paradas are a very popular form of flatbread across Asia, all the way from Pakistan to Thailand. But some sources that I, I've looked up some history on this, there's not loads, but most of them agree that the Punjab region actually invented the parada. So, ah. no wonder they were doing one of the best ones we've ever had. Yep, they're like, this is how it's done, boys. Yeah, there are some references from 12th century Sanskrit texts, and there's some even earlier references possibly as early as 1000 AD, that suggest they were a very popular food amongst the Punjabi nobility, Mm. which at that time, 1000 AD, that means probably way before that, if that's the first written reference. Yeah, for sure. Could have been going on for 100 years or more before that, at least. Now, varieties of paratha vary massively from the very thin hot plate fried parathas that you'll see on Khao San Road in Bangkok, Thailand. Still Um, just as good. Still very tasty, but completely different texture, really, to some very dense parathas we had in South India, Kerala, that sort of area. They're very thick. They don't separate as much, but they're still a bit flaky, but they don't go light when they cook. Yeah. Yeah, they're really dense. But still, I think, yeah, in all our travels, the best one we had was the Jaiwan Butter Parada in Amritsar at Kesar Dadaba which they cook with a tandoori oven. Not everyone cooks with a tandoori oven. You can have tandoori paratas, but you can also have, yeah, a grill top cooked parada. Some people cook it in a pan if they're cooking it at home, just on a frying pan. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, on a hot plate. So lots of different ways, but the tandoori oven, uh, it's just such an intense amount of heat. It gives all these really crispy, blackened, charcoal edges on the outside, which makes it way better than just cooking it in a pan. Yeah, and as you said before, it's this interesting mix of like heat and steam and everything that all sort of combines together to give the dough of different sort of texture than what you get just cooking it on a pan. Yeah, absolutely. So our parata arrived to the table dripping in that wonderful butter G. Because of course they cut, you know, they just cut off a slab of butter and put it on top as well. <laughs> yeah. To So not only was it made with copious amounts of butter, then they just like slap a bit on top at the end. Oh, yeah. And it was amazing and I regret nothing. I actually used to work in a Bangladeshi restaurant in England when I was at college. So I, I actually got to see some of the process of how they're doing it. So although the butter would technically be solid at room temperature, what they do is they keep it right next to the stove 
and just a few, those few extra degrees of heat from the heat of the cooking in the kitchen keeps it in a liquid form all night. So it is, they spoon it on in liquid form all over the place. Love it. That's why there's so much. I wish more so places would do that because there's nothing more disappointing than, you know, when you go to a place and then they bring you out like the little packets of butter and it's so rock solid because they've had it in the fridge. Like, oh, did yeah, you terrible. pull this out of the back of the fridge? And you can't even get your knife into it to put it on your toast. And by the time you, or even if you don't even have toast, you got to hold it in your hand for like 10 minutes to try and warm it up. India's got it right. <laughs> India, in terms of cooking. It's my little rant about packaged <laughs> butter. Sorry about that. I got a little, I got a little upset then. Yeah, yeah. Cl- clearly some emotions running high with the butter situation <laughs> right there. <laughs> but yeah, aside from the huge amounts of butter, which make it amazing, and aside from the fact that it's cooked in a tandoori oven in this occasion, which makes it more amazing because of that crispy, wonderful, burnt outside bits. Not burnt. Burnt's the wrong word to use. It's good burnt, not burnt burnt. Let's just say that. But the other thing is that the layers, they're a bit thicker. That was the difference. Like some of the paradas you get, they're very, very thin. Or like in South India, they're very dense, but with flaky bits. But this was like the perfect combination of a little bit thicker, but every layer had separated from the main central part. So they're like doughy, but loads of layers and crispy on the outside, a little bit of density on the inside, but perfectly cooked. It just everything came together to make this one of the best. And I've seen photos from other people who've been there of theirs. They all look exactly the same as ours. This is not a one-off. We didn't get lucky. Nah, that's I think just we how went they there do it. twice in total and yeah, then we, we had did. to leave. But uh, amazing. And 100 years of making this, they're doing all right. Yeah, they know what they're doing. So this was a completely awesome food experience, but what was really, really strange was not the actual food experience, because that was amazing, but it was what happened a few weeks later. We actually were still in India, and we were holed up in a hotel room watching one of the few English channels that was available, the Travel Channel. Yeah, that's right. Remember this? Yes, this was really random. I don't even know. We don't turn the TV on much, so I don't know why the TV had been turned on. But we happened to notice some blonde, really inexperienced TV host, and she happened to be interviewing the main guy from the Dabba, who we had, we'd seen, we'd, we met him, didn't we? We went yeah, up, we yeah. spoke to him because we paid our bill. We went up to the counter and we chatted with him for a minute or so. And yeah, so she was actually doing a cooking class with him in this really low budget documentary on the it Travel Channel. so budget. And she was learning how to make one of their, their lentil curries. Um, I think it was a lentil one. Because they're very famous for this other dish, uh, dal fry, which is a specific way of cooking lentils. Mm. That's a very Punjabi version of that, apparently. Which we did actually try while we were there. I don't remember it as much as the parada, but I do remember all the food being fantastic. We definitely didn't just sit there and eat bread. No, no, no. We ordered quite a few curries, including yeah. the dal fry, which is uh, definitely one of the most popular dishes. Now, she's learning how to make this curry. And he explains to her to add a quite sizable amount of butter ghee to begin the dish. That's one of the most important starting points. Get the butter in first. And the host turns to him and, and she actually asks, can viewers instead use olive oil as a healthier version? And, and he pauses. There's like it, this pause. He just, I mean, butter ghee is an essential part of Punjabi cooking. It's an essential it's part of Indian. It's not the same if you put olive oil. The olive oil doesn't exist in Indian cuisine. No, of course not. Uh, Butterjee is a North Indian thing. They might use coconut oil in the South, but North India, butterjee is 
everything. It's the definition of North Indian food. And the guy from Quesada Dabo, yeah, he just pauses. He stares at her for what felt like an it eternity. Felt like <laughs> <laughs> oh, enough that we started awkwardly laughing <laughs> at the situation. But the look on his face, it was just this combination of both disdain and complete horror. But instead, he's new, he knew he's on TV. Yep. So instead of being outraged, he just, he sighed. He, he noticeably sighed and he said, sure, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> and that became like our catchphrase for everything. Every time we heard like a dumb tourist say stuff, even ourselves when we said dumb stuff, we were just like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> He just was like, what? Sure. What? <laughs> it was just, I mean, the, the sense of the conversation and the sense of his point was, you can do whatever you want, but obviously what you're doing is wrong. ridiculous and wrong. Wrong. Why would you even suggest using this, stupid tourist? Like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's probably the most awkward bit of television I've watched in quite, like, un, you know, not trying to be awkward. Like, she was asking a legit question and it was a dumb question. What do you think about it? It's quite an offensive question. Can you use olive oil instead? What? Yeah, if you want to make a dish that isn't Indian food. Like, at what point? What? They, when did, they created this hundreds of years ago. Where were they getting olive oil from in India then? Like, I know they were trading and stuff, but like. It was not a major part of the cuisine. No. And it still isn't really. And yeah, of course, you probably can make Punjabi cuisine with whatever fat and oil you want. But come on, it's not going to taste anything like it. Nope, it's all about the butter. In fact, whenever we make curry at home, if we don't have butter, we pretty much don't bother making curry. No. Even though we don't have butter G all the time when we travel, but we normally have at least butter. Oh, and that's nice enough. when we do have butter G. Just elevates the butter experience. It's richer mm. and better than regular butter. I don't know how it I told becomes you. richer. It's crack. Yep. Indian crack. It is fat crack. Yep. Crack fat. Mmm. Mm, yes. So, anyway... They do fantastic curries at Quesada Daba in Amritsar, but the Jawain butter parata is the absolute star that you need to look out for. So from Amritsar to Kolkata, which is on the far eastern side of India on the coast, not the very far eastern side, because actually India's got this strange little bit that goes above Bangladesh and all the way to Burma. Yeah. So most people probably don't even realize that that's India. Because there's only like this tiny little passageway that lets you get from the mainland of India through to this little section. And Kolkata's before that. But it's right on the coast on the east side of India. So what is your India story? Okay, so yeah, we were hanging out in Kolkata. So Kolkata, as we were just saying, it's actually in the Indian state of West Bengal. And it's India's third largest city. So you can just imagine if you know how many people are hanging out in India, if you're in the third largest city, there's a few people getting around Kolkata. India's like 1.2 billion people approximately at yeah. the moment from recent figures. So yeah, it's big and it's intense. Yeah. And actually, the port of Kolkata is India's oldest operating port. So there's been a lot of stuff throughout history, trading, merchants, there's been a lot of in and outs in Kolkata. So it's obviously going to be a place where you're going to find really interesting foods to try. Really, Kolkata, we also discovered were really modern in a way as well, where some other parts of India you can visit seem to be still very, you know, old in their ways of thinking and the ways of doing things. Kolkata definitely had 
both. It, it seems like they were the ones that had their fingers on the pulse, trying to, you know, also, you know, keep the old style of things, but also have like modern, you know, keeping up with the new age of, of the world as well. I found it was pretty much with India, the really big cities had become just a little bit cosmopolitan. But once you headed out of those, and even Amritsar, to be fair, it's just a little bit too away from those major centers like Delhi and Mumbai and yeah, a few of the other very big cities. They, those smaller locations, it, it was more difficult to travel. Yeah. You didn't have that sense of an international feel at all. It was so historic still. Yeah. Interesting historic, but yeah, a, a lot more of a culture shock, whereas Kolkata is insane. It was easy, yeah, to move in, even though apparently there's actually evidence that the region in which the city currently stands has been inhabited for over two millennia. Yeah. So, so yeah. The old city. But the actual recorded history started about 1690, but that was only at the arrival of the British and the East India Company, which set up shop there. So, Kolkata was actually the former capital of British India. Yeah. So, it also has that modern influence as well. When the British came in and they did all what the British did, you know, they had a lot of buildings built, a lot of, because it was the, the center of operations for the British East India Company, they got a lot of growth through that. Yeah. But we're talking about Yes. Yes. So one of the most interesting things we found was we were we woke up and when you first arrive in a place, especially when you get in late, I think we got in at like four in the morning or some crazy time. And the streets were empty. Yeah. And we took a taxi from the airport to the hotel. Yeah. And yeah, there's nothing. It was just dead. Just dead. Nothing. And then. I can still remember that trip vividly. It's like, what? This, this is India. I can't, there's nobody on the streets. This is insane. And so, when you wake up the next morning and, of course, you're like, we're going to have to venture out and go get breakfast because there was no shops open. We've got no food. We need to go and find food because I'm starving. Where do we go? I have no idea. Let's just see what we stumble across. And so, we walk outside and... Just got to the end of the street. It wasn't even far. I'd say maybe like 10 meters we'd walk. <laughs> well, within 30 seconds of the hotel door, pretty much. Yeah, it was right there. And we saw that there was a whole bunch of people standing around. And we saw that there were two guys cooking. And there was one dude, he had like all of the, the pre-made curries in these big pots that had already been made. I think there was like four or five different curries to choose from. And But there was one dude who was cooking in a tandoori oven. Now, we just briefly before mentions the whole tandoori oven, but this one was different. Yes. Now, I might just jump into a little bit, just in case people don't know what a tandoori oven is, let's jump into just- Yeah, give a bit more explanation. Explaining that a little bit more. So, tandoori cooking is actually believed to have originated in Persia. Ah, yep. Yeah, and so it's found through a lot of Central Asia and down into India as well. So, you're going to find this particular style throughout a lot of that region. And the ovens are generally made of clay. Today, sometimes you can get them made with metal, but it's like, I mean, that's just for sanitary purposes. I personally think if it's a clay oven, you get better flavor and everything like that. The bread's going to stick to the outside of the tandoori oven very nicely. Exactly. Uh, And then, so made of clay, and then they have some sort of insulating material like concrete or mud on the outside because it gets really hot. Yeah. 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 It's it's insanely hot. I I mean, I've seen the guys when I was working at the Bangladeshi restaurant, when they put the bread in, they put it on a, a little like um, fabric pad and they put their hand behind the pad and the bread's on the pad and they put their hand in and they press it against the side and then they get their hand out Yeah, within like five seconds max. Well, when they because- get the bread out, they do not 
put their hand in to get no, the bread out. They use they, tongs to get it out or, or like a little metal, hook. metal hooks. Yeah, because the way that it's made, the fire is built in the bottom and then that heats both the walls and the oven and the air yeah. inside and it can get upwards of 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Woo. Now, I don't know what that is in centigrade. Oh, it must be like 450. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be Freaking like pizza hot. oven temperature or more. Exactly. So, this is crazy, crazy heat. And before cooking, the fire itself is allowed to die down. So, it's not like there's big flames attacking these guys, but there is that insane temperature that is consistent and keeps the whole thing hot while they're doing their cooking. So, that's, that's pretty much it. I, you know, it's just this cylindrical clay thing that they, that they use for cooking. Yeah. And they stick breads to the interior outside edge, which of course is very hot and the stone, it instantly sticks to the stone. Yeah. But when they pull it off, it comes off really nicely with a nice crispy base. Yeah. And there's quite a few things that you can actually cook with a tandoor oven. Uh, flatbread, as we were just discussing, loads of different types of flatbread from tandoori roti to naan to parada, kulcha. And that's just in India. You go to other countries and of course they have their own style of breads. So, you know, you go to Georgia and they've got their shoddy bread and, and stuff like that, which is very, very similar. Just insane. I don't. I, I think tandoori bread is probably some of my absolute favorite oh. breads in the whole world. It's the perfect device for cooking bread. But yeah, they also cook tandoori chicken. Exactly. Chicken tikka, these sorts of things, tandoori lamb. Yep. They just put them on skewers and they put it, the skewer straight in. And so the skewer is really long because the bottom of the skewer hits the bottom of this oven, which I guess the ovens are normally about four foot, four and a half foot tall. Yeah. So yeah, people can reach over into them, but they are actually quite deep ovens. And then, yeah, meat sits on the, the middle of the skewer. Really, really big, long skewer. Yeah, and massive skewers. Yeah, it comes out crispy, perfect, brilliant. Tandoori, yeah, tandoori ovens, one of the best cooking implements in the world. Just amazing. And yeah, as you said, we'll have to, uh, might have to do an episode on chicken tikka because there is oh. that, uh, that old debate of was it invented in the UK or was it invented in India? Chicken tikka, chicken tikka masala. Yes, yeah. that's probably going to be an episode at some point. Definitely. But yeah, all of these things can be made in a tandoor oven. Back to us standing on the street corner in Kolkata, we saw that they had all the curries laid out and then they were cooking with a tandoori oven. Now, as I just explained, a tandoor is usually a clay oven, but they had obviously, you know, maybe a clay oven's hard to transport. Or- I mean, if you're going to buy an oven, it's going to cost you a solid amount of money. Yeah. That's the main thing, Not a cheap thing to buy, not an easy thing to make. So, these guys had just used what they had and had makeshifted a tandoor oven out of an old oil drum. Yeah. And instead of clay, I'm pretty sure it was concrete. Yeah. They had concreted the inside of it. So, the outside was, and I'm sure that tin, that, that oil drum got hot. So we were talking about how they insulate it, but that wasn't insulated. That was like, just stand back, don't touch it. But the inside of it, they had actually, yeah, created it so it was in the same shape of a tandoor oven and they had done it with concrete. Yep. And, and I tell you what, they were whipping out the naan breads to go with their curries and that naan was delicious. Yep. And a curry with a naan bread. I think maybe you got two naan breads. Because they, I mean, they yeah. fill you up on the bread. You get quite a small curry with the sort of cheaper end street food. Chickpea curries and yeah. stuff like that. So you got like a choice of curry and then you got like two medium small naan breads. And I think that costs somewhere around 20 rupees, yeah. which at the time was probably about 
45 cents American. Yeah, I remember it being 45 to 50 cents, something around there. We were working on Australian dollars back then. So it would have been 50 cents But now the Australian dollar is terrible. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Australia. We just work with US dollars these days. Yeah. Yeah, so like 40 cents American, something like that. We couldn't believe it. It was amazing. And the flavors and the bread was perfect. One of the- one of the greatest naan breads I've had anywhere, really. I mean, and that was our introduction to India. We got up that morning and we went, and that was our breakfast. I'm pretty certain we had breakfast there every morning. We were in Kolkata. Yes, we did. Yeah, because they had a big selection of curries, and they did have a rice option as well. If you didn't want bread, but I wanted bread. Yeah, all the time. And there was never a shortage of people standing around. Which, of course, if you know, if you're not up to scratch with choosing street food, it's not something you've ever really done if you haven't been to these countries. One of the main things to remember with choosing a street food option is look for where the locals are eating and go there because they've got more of a turnover. Obviously, the locals, you know, are loving it. So, choose those places and then you're less likely to end up with the, you know, the old deli belly as they call it. Yeah, which we didn't get. Two nope. and a half months in India, quite uh, happy. We never actually got sick. Which didn't is get the squanches once. Bit of a record. So yes, that was day one of our North India curry experience. We went out and ate so much amazing food in North India. We were there for about six weeks and then we went to South India for a few weeks as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's really when my weight gain began. It really did. We were doing okay because you, if you're traveling around Southeast Asia, you really can stay you know, you can you don't put on too much weight because it's a lot of like light foods and you know really easy. And then we hit India and it was like, oh, I've put on a bit of weight, butter De- and bread. Yep, definitely. Every day. And then uh, after that, we flew out from India to Europe, and then it's all been downhill from that. <laughs> <laughs> weight wise, food wise, it's been sensational. I regret nothing, but I'm certainly not wearing the same uh, size shorts I was wearing back then. No, no. Well. What can you do? Regret nothing. There's too much good food in this world. So, yes, that's it for this episode. Two incredible food experiences in North India. We thought we would we would enjoy kicking off this series, our food travel series, where we're talking about our favorite personal foods that aren't necessarily the most famous foods with the biggest stories. But we like to think we have our own little stories to go with these. So we hope you like it. If you do, let us know. Do tweet us at Food Fun Travel or email Megzi at Food Fun Travel. And yeah, let us know what you think. Is this the sort of stuff you want to learn about? Or are you only interested in learning about the history episodes where we talk about history of famous dishes? Yeah, we'd really like to know. We're going to do a few more of these and we're going to... You know, we're going to keep it running and see what happens and yeah. then we'll get some feedback. And As we we'll keep decide. saying, we want to turn this, we don't want to be doing seasonal anymore. We really want to make this a weekly show for you guys and for us because we just love doing it. So, if we're branching out into, you know, stuff like this and this is stuff that you guys are enjoying, then we can keep going with this. And, oh, boys, we've we've got content up the wazoo when it comes to, you know, our favorite foods around the world. But, yeah, they just might not have the interesting histories. It might not be as documented, but we've got some stories about them, that's for sure. Uh, So there's some other great episodes that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks. But of course, we're going to be mixing that up with our regular episodes too, with food history and destinations, what to eat, that sort of thing. So yeah, do rate and subscribe. If you've enjoyed this episode and other episodes, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, We really don't mind as long as it's a five-star review. If it's less than a five-star review, you might be listening to the wrong show. There's lots of other shows out there. Come on, you love us. Don't spend your time on shows you don't love. You love us. Give us the full five. But if you've made it this far through the episode, we assume you liked it at least a bit. So it's got to be worth a five-star. Anything less than a five-star is holding us back from having a successful show on 
iTunes or anywhere, really, which is going to upset the chances of us making more episodes in the future. Yep. So, And if you've got a friend that's happening to be going to India, why not send them the link to this episode? Because they might want to go and eat tasty parada in a daba, or they might want to go and have the meal with all of the pilgrims in the temple with all the Sikhs. It's yes, in the Golden Temple. Fascinating experience. Golden Temple and Amritsar. Very, very cool place to visit. So, no show notes for this episode, but there will be show notes for future episodes. You can just head to foodfuntravel.com and search India and you'll find some articles that we've written from our trip there as well if you just want some more India information. They're quite old. Don't judge us. <laughs> Don't judge us too harsh. Though. Yeah, it was a little <laughs> while ago. But as we said, it's, it was a very memorable experience. And so, we're still talking about some of those crazy food stories today. And there might be some more India food stories coming up in a few months' There's time. There's so much good food. There was a lot of very tasty things. All right, that's it from this episode. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.